And welcome back to another outstanding edition of the official 615 podcast brought to you by our good friends over at Wilson County Hyundai. Check them out online at wilsoncountyhyundai.com. As always, my good friend Greg Pogue with me. And Greg, once again, another fantastic guest awaits. Yes, indeed. Uh, again, want to thanks the uh, thank the folks here at Omni Nashville Hotel, Music City, Todd Rodemel, the great people at Kitchen Notes. They brought the biscuits yes. out and all the things, the goodies that go with it. So, again, want to thank uh, the folks here at the Omni for having us. Always fun, and and again, we're just getting lucky with these guests. And like I tell people, I'd rather be lucky than good. Well, you are. <laughs> Who do we have, Greg? Well, Brad Willis, uh, just a veteran uh, uh, radio guy, uh, program director at 104.5 The Zone and a lot of different things over the years. But now he is the chief advancement and operation officer for the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame inside Bridgestone Arena. And Brad, thanks for doing this, man. Hey, guys. hey happy to be here. Thanks so much for having me. What do you do? Goodness <laughs> gracious. I was telling somebody the other day. Uh, it's a little bit of everything. And, and part of it is, is, you know, I, I tell people all the time, like, Hey, if you do something with us and you're happy with it, that's great. And if you're not, I'm the guy you come to complain, right. to, uh, because I get to wear a lot of hats. I get to, you know, handle curation and you know, operations of the museum and, uh, a little bit in terms of the, you know, nomination process, marketing, social media. It's great. I get to kind of scratch a lot of itches and wear a lot of hats and, and frankly, that's been a, a challenge. It's gotten me out of my comfort zone a little bit. I spent a lot of years behind the scenes, letting everybody else kind of be out in front. And so now I'm having to uh, step out there a little bit and, and do my part. And it's been uh, it's been a good, good run, good opportunity. And I've really enjoyed it. I've told you that I think what you do and where you are is vastly underrated in our state, having a Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame. Is there a challenge of letting people know that you guys are out there? Yeah, it's, it's when I took the job, one of the things that I knew that we had was a visibility problem. And part of that is because, you know, when you're in downtown Nashville, you're really at the epicenter of tourism here in the state of Tennessee, and you could be one of the bigger things and still kind of get lost in the shuffle. And so one of the things that I wanted to do very early on was do everything that we could to just draw attention to the fact that we're here, not just from a standpoint of, you know, a museum that you can come and tour and learn about some of the great, you know, members of this state that have done wonderful things from an athletic perspective, but also, you know, kind of what we aim to do from our mission as, as a nonprofit and, you know, tell these stories and keep the heritage of sports alive, reach out to youth and make sure that, you know, they kind of understand that, you know, a lot of, a lot of these communities that, you know, they, they need reminding of the stories of the people that came up in these communities yeah. that succeeded and are now giving back to those communities. We aim to tell those stories. And so you're right. Visibility was, was huge. And it's something that really everything I do, I kind of strive to, to, make it bigger for us. Well, let people know you're in Bridgestone Arena, yes. just as you come to the main entrance, veer to the right past the tourist area there. And uh, you, you've, you've got a visible place because of the traffic that comes through there, but it's getting people there, as you just mentioned, the, the, the outreach. And, you know, and, and you want to be part of it. If somebody comes to town, you know, they just don't come to town, see the Hall of Fame and leave, right? Let's, exactly. You know, but but be part of the, the, uh, the schedule, right? 100%. Yeah. You know, and, and the great thing about being at Bridgestone Arena is if you're going to come and you're going to buy, say, a, a Music City Pass where you get to do all kinds of different things, you're going to do that at the visitor center that's there at the corner of, of John Lewis Way and, and Broadway. Well, we're right there with it. And, and right now we've got free admission. And so they encourage people, hey, come back and, and check 
out the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame, take the tour. Uh, when you come for an event at Bridgestone Arena, be it a Predators game or WWE or whatever the case may be, if you have a bag or you have to stop by the, uh, the box office, they're going to send you through the Hall of Fame to get to the arena now. Nice. So, yeah, so you can actually come and take a tour before a Preds game and, and you know, and take the exact same experience as you would, you know, on a Tuesday afternoon at 4 o'clock. So we encourage people to do that. You know, if you've never been and you say, well, I just haven't had the chance or I'm not downtown a lot or whatever the case may be, well, a Preds game is a great opportunity to to enter through the will call entrance and just come take the tour on your way before you see the Preds play. I, I love that. And uh, you had a few weeks ago, you tweeted out a big announcement. And I actually look forward to it because a lot of people will tweet out big announcement. And you don't care, right? <laughs> but very rarely do you tweet out a big announcement. And you had a big announcement and it was. Well, so we are. Which one, right? Aim, right. Yeah. <laughs> so our aim has been to keep attendance free at the Tennessee Sports Hall right. of Fame. Again, with so many things pulling at your time and attention, we'd love for you to just come in and check out what we're all about. Uh, and so we've got several partners over the years that have supported things that we're doing. We have a kind of a corporate membership. And as part of that, University of Tennessee Athletics stepped up and they're sponsoring the first three months of the year. So you can come take the tour at the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame absolutely free all the way through March. Nice. And that's going to include the time, you know, uh, uh, leading up to and around the, the women's SEC tournament there at Bridgestone Arena. We've got a great exhibit to Pat Summit that people should come check out. Um, and so really, you know, our goal is to, you know, keep those doors doors open as often as we can. Uh, if people want to come in and make a donation, there's a place that they can do that. And obviously, you know, again, as a, as a nonprofit, our goal is to, to raise funds for, for the purpose of our operation. But uh, the sponsorship, like the one that the University of Tennessee uh, Athletic Department stepped up and made, is one that gives us the opportunity to stay free to the general public and, you know, tell those stories all the time. I met you back in, we were in there back in August, and uh, I spent probably 45 minutes in probably 10% of the Hall of right. Fame there. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking, my goodness, I grew up here, I had no idea all the content you had in there. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. A lot of what you find in the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame, we inherited from the Tennessee State Museum. And they had this great sports collection that they really didn't have you know, a place for. And so when the, the physical museum was built in the year 2000, they partnered with us to say, hey, we have all these great things. And, you know, that really tells the, the history of, you know, college football in the state, college yeah. basketball in the state. And, and we've been, uh, you know, the, the, the benefactor of, of getting all those things inside the inside the hall. And, and those those are the stories that aren't going to change very much. Uh, when you have, you know, a footprint, we've got 7,200 square feet. Eventually, you run out of real estate. So some of the things that we're trying to do now is to step into the digital space a little bit. We've got some interactive kiosks where people can come up and, you know, press the screen. And it's going to give you different options about different classes where you can learn and, and see bio videos of inductees. Or you can find out, you know, we've got a fun little section about the, the, the greatest big plays in the state of Tennessee. The, nice. the fight songs from football teams around the state. Uh, so our, our hope is, is that we're able to grow, even if, you know, we're not physically growing, we're, we're able to do a little bit more and, and, and stay, you know, technologically on top of things. Well, just Sean Henry's got that one floor for his office. Just take, <laughs> yeah. have him, just take, just take that. Right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, Brad Willis uh, is with us. Uh, the chief advancement and operations officer of the Tennessee sports hall of fame here on the official six one five podcast. Uh, 
opportune moment, Javon Curse. Yes. You break that news as part of the Titans playoff rally uh, uh, downtown uh, this past, what, Friday? That's right. That was cool. Better to be lucky than good. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where uh, two, three weeks ago, our board determined the class of 2022. We're in the process of starting to kind of roll out some announcements on that. I made a phone call to some some folks that I know at the Titans, and I said, hey, I, I just want you to know, Board selected Javon Curse. He's going to be part of the class of 2022. If you if you have him coming into town for anything at all, I'd love to just have a minute to be able to meet him and do this. And the answer I got was, he's coming to town Friday night. <laughs> Let's do this. Yes. And I said, okay. And so, yeah, you know, it's it's great to be able to do uh, great things like that. And especially, you know, the the point I think a lot of times that gets lost with with hall of fame inductions is it's as much a celebration of the individual but it's also a big celebration of their support system and, the, and you know their families and the fan base and everything else their coaches the coaches yes. so to be able to do something like we did friday night at the pep rally where javon was completely unaware going into it and was really there just to you know put on a show for the fans uh he he felt the the outpouring of support from the fan base that was there that night and so it's a great it's a great opportunity i think for us to kind of you know, kick off our relationship with him from a Hall of, Hall of Fame perspective. Yeah, that's pretty cool that you can line that up. The uh, selection process. Yes. Tell us about that. I'll tell you. It's it's one of – I've been so pleased with the amount of, of care and time that our board has given to that process every year. And I'll explain. So we're divided up into the three regions of the states. We have a West Tennessee board, a Middle Tennessee board, an East Tennessee board. Uh, or at least division of the board. There's six members in each division. And each division considers their own uh, nominees. So if someone was born, raised, played in West Tennessee, West Tennessee is going to take care of that. And eventually the full board will come together and kind of vote on everyone, including you know a handful of at-large nominees. It's not an easy process. I mean, it is absolute. And when you look at uh, East Tennessee, for example, you, you could you could almost fill up every uh, you could almost fill up every slot with someone from the University of Tennessee based on Mount of All Americans, Olympians, you know, so many people that have had touch points in in Knoxville. But then you have great universities like East Tennessee State, Chattanooga, and 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 what we're trying to do is tell that full you know full story. Um, so when you get to East Tennessee, which I think is a really good example. They had to narrow their pool down to seven people from a pool that originally started somewhere in the neighborhood of about 60 for this year. And it, it's <laughs> sometimes it's easy to say, let's wow. let's take off five here. Let's set these five aside that, you know, we're going to we'll maybe come back to them next year. But uh, when you start getting down to, OK, we have 14 and we've got to narrow that to seven. Man, there's some painful, painful choices. And so it, it really is a is a process by which every division gets two nominees that are rubber stamped. Each division gets five nominees that are considered at large. So there's 15 potential at large that the full board then gets together and says, we narrow these 15 down to five. Come away so with five 11. a year. So you come away with 11 a year. Okay. 11. You've a got year. two, two, and two, right. and the five. Mm -hmm. And so you've got 11 a year. It gets tough. 
It gets really tough. And every year we walk away and I've got a stack of paperwork and I start thumbing through it. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that person should be in. That person should be in. That person should be in. I bet you get that all the time because I can, yeah, I know people. Brad, what a, what a, hey, that there, my, my, he should be in there for all the fame. Well, you, you know, know I mean, you know, exactly I know, right. it sounded like Joe be doing that. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, but you're, I mean, I could go through there and, say, you know, obviously Joe, we, everybody can. Yeah. And I bet you get that all the time. How is he or she not in? Well, the, generally, it comes down to the fact that they've never been nominated. And sometimes the issue is, is that because someone is a total no-brainer, mm -hmm. no one will nominate them because they believe that they're already in. Right. And and we've actually got one. I, I can't say because we haven't kind of made them aware of it. We had one this year that was very much like that. And when we started the conversation, somebody said, check the records. They've got to be in, right? <laughs> Peyton Manning's not in? <laughs> what? Yeah. And so I'm like, listen, I've checked the records. They're not in. And and a lot of times it, it simply comes down to they just haven't been nominated. And so – you know, it's not like we go through the list and we say, okay, well, here are the five nominees. The nominees come from the general public. They either come from athletics directors or old teammates or, you know, brothers and sisters and family members. And again, you'll, you'll end up sometimes with some folks who are total no-brainers that it's just, it's just kind of slipped through the cracks and nobody's ever thought, hey, you know, so-and-so should totally be in. And, um, and so, you know, part of that process that we go through every year when we invite nominations is, you know, we're looking for those and, you know, maybe we'll call Chattanooga and say, Hey, did you know, so-and-so's not in. And they go, you're not, like, no, but I can't do anything about it except tell you to, you know, nominate. Somebody. <laughs> um, so that's, that's the way, that's the way it goes a lot of times. Do you hope this gets to the point where it's like the NFL hall of fame where you surprise people and do that? Cause I think that would be a lot of yeah, fun. Brad Baker. Yeah, a lot of yeah, fun. He's like that. he's a lot taller and a lot yeah, bigger. Than he's, he's 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 an acre. He's <laughs> an acre. He's an acre of a man. Yes. And you got to wear that big bright maroon suit yes. he wears everywhere. But would that be kind of cool to do that? Like you did with Javon? That's what. That's really where I'd like to try to get. And when I when I started in 2020, you go back go back to one of your earlier questions about visibility. A Hall of Fame is really only as big as you make it, right? Mm -hmm. And so one of the, the first class that we put in, we had Tim Corbin, we had uh, Jeff Fisher. Um, we had Heath Schuler, And so my goal was to, I'm going to go, this was pre COVID by about two months. Mm. I'm going to go around the state and I'm going to do these kinds of announcements. Because if you remember the, the right before I took that, that was when they were naming this huge class for the pro football hall of fame. And I remember the Titans were in the playoffs and we were somewhere and we were watching the game and they they trotted out and they they did it for Bill Cower yeah and they did it for the Jimmy Bill, Johnson Bill, uh, on the set yep. right yeah and I said to, to somebody who was in the booth because I'd already said I was taking the job I pointed it and I said that's the kind of stuff I want to do like that's how I want to handle this and so that's that's really been my goal so going back to Friday night with the Javon Curse thing that was very much in line because I I'd been around Javon you know I've I've covered the Titans for 20 years. So, you know, he saw me there, didn't put it together. And then he has a thing on stage and I'm kind of lurking in the background because the whole point is I'm about to ambush him and, and tell him this news. And so, yeah, I mean, that to me is one of the coolest things about the job because you're not delivering bad news, right. you know, and, and, <laughs> Uh, I've spent, I've spent much of my life delivering bad news on a lot of days and th that's never fun. So yeah, if, if you can do that and it'd be fun and it'd be worthwhile for the inductee and it gives the hall of fame some, some attention, 
then those are the kinds of things that I'm absolutely all for. You listen to the official 615 podcast brought to you by our good friends, brought to you by our good friends at Wilson County Hyundai. Check them out online at wilsoncountyhyundai.com. Payne Bone and his staff, they do an amazing job making sure you are the number one priority. So many cars you'll see in Middle Tennessee are from Wilson County Hyundai, and it's simple. They do an outstanding job. Check them out online at wilsoncountyhyundai.com. Yeah, and once again, Kitchen Notes, uh, Todd Roderbell, all the great people here. Thanks for having us, and thanks for the biscuits and all the little fixings that they uh, bring to us uh, every time we're down here. Brad Willis is our guest, Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame Chief Advancement and Operations Officer. Um, who do you answer to? Uh, I mean, Philip Former. Let's start right at the top. Yep. I mean, his obviously what he done, you know. But uh, <laughs> but obviously having his name, yes. but as you, but he's your chairman. He is. Talk about just the process of. Who do you answer to? I, so I answer to an 18-member board of directors. Right. Uh, Coach Fulmer is the chairman of our board. Harold Grader is our vice chair. And if you've ever met Harold, he's the assistant executive director of the Liberty Bowl out in Memphis. Um, we have, you know, like I said, six members mm-hmm. in each division. We're aided administratively by the Tennessee Department of Tourism Development. Mark Ezel is their commissioner. He's 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 kind of a 19th board member for us and so he also is is someone who who I would answer to directly. Um it's funny when I took the job someone who who said somebody said, "Are you sure you want 19 bosses?" and I'm like, <laughs> "Well, I've worked in corporate radio so I've <laughs> I've had more." Uh, <laughs> but but the you know, but the point is is that you know, the the group of people that we have uh, when you look at folks like Candace Lee, Shane Foster, uh, Brad Lampley, you know, in East Tennessee, we've got Scott Carter out at East Tennessee State, Coach Fulmer, Dane Bradshaw. Uh, I mentioned Harold Grader, uh, Art Sparks, um, so many others that I think are are personally kind of invested in the Hall of Fame. It's It's been great in that the support that they've offered me because I'm I'm boots on the ground in Nashville, kind of one of one a, a lot of days, the support that they've offered me from a standpoint of, you know, who they've been willing to call and introduce and, and also just, you know, the, the, the verbal support, they'll call, Hey, you know, saw this and this was great. You know, I got a, I got a text message Friday night on my way home from the Titans pep rally uh, from a, kind of a group text of three or four board members that, Hey, just saw this. This is awesome. That's the kind of stuff that I want, you know, I want to kind of accomplish. Um, so, yeah, it's been, like I said, there's a great number of them. Uh, but the fact is, is that it's a, it's a good situation from a from a statewide perspective. There's power in those numbers because there's so many different connections that we can make along the way. Where are you from? I'm from Lewisburg. I'm from Marshall County, uh, which is, uh, if you're not familiar, straight down I-65, about 35 miles north of the Alabama state line. So I, I was born and raised uh, in Lewisburg, uh, went to college at Middle Tennessee State, um, got into broadcasting. So funny because I, 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 I stumbled into broadcasting. Um, it was, so it, did Greg, but well, in a different way. But, but you've been stumbling through it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it was one of those things that I, I was going – I did two years at Columbia State simply because at the time – I didn't really know what I wanted to major in, and I didn't know that I wanted to go to a four-year university and spend that kind of money to do general studies. So (laughs) it gave me a chance to – I made a connection with my hometown radio station in Lewisburg, which is WJJM, and it's a little AM-FM at the time with simulcast. And kind of I went up there one day and said, I'd love to give this a shot, and the 
the general manager said, I don't have anything. Uh, but here's the news. Go in the studio and read it, and at least I'll know what you sound like. Okay, great. Not too much pressure there. Right, yeah. <laughs> so here I am. I don't remember how old I am, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm, you know, freshman, sophomore in college. And so record it, come back, give it to him on a cassette. That's how old it's been. And um, leave. And two days later, I get a phone call from him and said, hey, we've got, uh, we got somebody going out of town for a vacation in two weeks. If you come up here and train, you can fill in. Okay. There's your opening. Cool. And so the proverbial foot in the door. The foot in the door. And I have, I have, ever since then, I have preached the foot in the door. I've preached internships to anybody who will listen because ultimately someone's got to step up on your behalf and they've either got to see how you operate or know a little bit about you. And it's both kind of the, the beauty and the, the curse of, of the industry, right? You almost can't get in it until you're in it. So I tell well, people yeah, because all the time, I've hired people. I, I don't t don't tell me what you've learned. Show me what you can do. Bingo, absolutely. Right. And 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 there's so much to be said for that. And so um, it gave me a great opportunity. That by the time that I ended up getting an internship with Titans Network, I walked in and we had this. We Larry Stone ran this class of interns, which was absolutely massive. I think the summer that I interned, I think we had 14 interns. And he's given us the tour of the radio station and we get to the studio and when he gets to the studio door, it was like 13 of them held their breath and stopped. And I just kind of followed him in and started looking around. And he said two or three days later, he's like, you don't seem intimidated by this. And I said, well, I'm not. I mean, I don't mean to sound cocky, but I've been doing this for a couple of years and that I know what that does. And I know what that does. And he says, okay, here, try this, do this, do this. And he, he gave me some things to do that he'd never you know, been willing to, to give an intern to do. And so long story short, we get to the end of summer. He says, will you stick around and help us in season? Absolutely. We get to about November and he says, what are you doing when you graduate? And I said, I don't know yet, you know, but I was one of these December graduates. And he says, uh, well, I'd like to take you on the road for a game and let you see that. And if it's something you're interested in, maybe we talk. And so I took a trip in December of 2001 to Cleveland and went in the booth and basically just observed. And then from that point on, man, it was just full speed ahead. And I knew before I got there that I was in love with radio, like, and I, and I was in love with sports. And so it's part of the reason that I signed up for the internship because I was working at Middle Tennessee State. I was working in the radio TV department as, you know, kind of like my scholarship, uh, putting internships into the database. So I see one day Titans Radio, and I'm like, we'll put it in the database, <laughs> and we'll put that over here. And, 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 and it was weird because somehow or another, me being, you know, stupid, I put my home phone number on my information at Titans Radio. And so they tried calling me at home. Well, I'm in Murfreesboro in a dorm. And so it turned out that somebody I had a class with also had interned with Titans Radio and somebody had mentioned me and she said, oh, I know him. He lives on campus. And so long story short, they give him my number. They call me. They say, can you come interview? And I said, yeah, when do you want to do it? And he says, well, can you do it today? And I said, I'll be there in an hour. Wow. And so I jumped up and got ready and went in and, and still to this day believe that my willingness to just jump mm -hmm. probably opened that door for me. The and eventually the exit plan of Larry to buy his his empire of radio stations yes. based in Cookville. We know what Larry's done now with that. It, it just seemed, at what moment did you feel like you were being groomed to, to take that? Yeah, it's, it's funny because 
I'm telling you, I've, I've been around a lot of really talented broadcasters and I don't know that there's maybe more than about two that I would put on the level with that guy. And, and, and it's, and it's, there's little things that he does so well. I, I used to joke, he knew absolutely nothing about, say, pro wrestling, right? But he could he could conduct an interview about pro wrestling and never expose himself <laughs> that he didn't Good. know a thing about what he was talking about. He just had a way that he he set up a guest and he made a guest better and he just kind of understood the story, and um and he his his uh, his work ethic was at such a level. He and Mike Keith both work ethic at such a level that you had to step up every day. And it challenged you to be better. Uh, I came in as a punk kid from Lewisburg thinking, I'll put this together and it'll sound pretty good. And to me, it did. And Larry heard it and he just absolutely destroyed it. <laughs> Hurt my feelings. And, you know, but the, the point was, is that it wasn't good enough. And he told me how it should be. And so I worked and worked and worked. And, and kind of what that put in me was the drive to, to overdo what I thought my best was. And so to your point, when Larry's getting ready, to leave, I mean, his his one of his uh, goals was to be an owner of a radio station, and and as you mentioned, he's got a great group out in Cookville right now that he's built uh, really from the ground up, and so he'd said openly for a long time, you know, this is what I want to do, this is how I'm going to get there, and so yeah, when I took over uh, programming the sports station in in May of 2007, I was 27 years old. I was pretty young to be running that station. Um, most all the talent had been at it way longer than I had. But the, the benefit that I had at the, at the moment was is I had been in the building. And again, we talk about just, just being there. Yeah. And people had seen how I operated and they understood I wasn't going to come in and say, you're going to do this different now and you're going to do this. I was, I was going to be a guy that kind of supported the system and made it work. And as I went through over time, I was able to put my, my stamp on things. But I didn't come in at 27 years old and say, hey, George, you're going to do this different now. I mean, it just, it, you know, everybody. That's not happening. That's not, that's not happening. Any time. No, I just know that. Never. It wasn't going to work that way. And, 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 and I think that everybody involved understood that wasn't going to be my approach. And I think it worked, it worked to my benefit. But you become a program director of a runaway freight train a massive thing in the industry uh, at the zone. I mean, you guys were just carrying it up and the ratings were massive. Were you prepared for that? Did you know that was coming? Well, the, the station had, had been successful before I had, before I joined up and, you know, I'd been in the background cause I'd been working at Titans radio and, 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 you know, I'm around it and I'd seen it. I was there the day they launched. I remember they were a, they were a classic rock station, uh, you know, for the previous, you know, however many years and three o'clock that afternoon, they flipped the switch and I'm standing out in the hallway watching it and never, <laughs> never would I have imagined, you know, cause that was 2003. So almost 20 years later, never would I have imagined that moment that I'd be so involved with it, uh, over the years that were to come. But it was, it was great in the sense that it I like the opportunity for every day to be a little bit different. I enjoyed the challenge of, of, of kind of learning things, knowing that I might fail, but knowing that I'm going to try them and, and we'll see. I mean, I'm sure if I went back right now and listened to some stuff from imaging that I wrote or created back in 2008 or whatever, I'd probably 
cringe, but, <laughs> but that, you know, that's kind of the, I mean, we've probably all got that, that piece of tape or that interview or whatever we'd go back and listen to and say, Oh gosh, you know, thank God I'm so much, you know, more refined than that now. Um, but the station, it's funny because it, it was, I remember going to a TAB meeting and some guy came in from out of town and he was talking about different markets. And he said, he said something to the effect of, he goes, Nashville has a sports talk station, like top five adults. That's unheard of. <laughs> and I'm, and, and like the people who were at the table with me all kind of looked at me and I'm like, I keep telling you guys, like, you know, we've got something special. Um, and you know, part of it was, you know, we had great talent. Uh, we had great sales staff. We had good support. Um, the, the station at the time, um, put their resources into, you know, flagship properties that cost them a little bit of money, mm -hmm. but got, you know, a return from a listenership, a sponsorship perspective. And so, yeah, I mean, it was one of those things that, um, it was, it was a fun, fun ride. Love him or hate him. Hiring Clay Travis. <laughs> uh, yep, I mean, yep. that that put yep. you guys on another, again, love him or hate him, sure, but on another level. I thought you were asking me if I loved him or if I hated him. <laughs> <laughs> it got you on that level. What Did you see that coming? That was interesting because, so I had long believed at, at the zone that, so we, we, were, we were local in the mornings and we were local in the afternoons and we were all syndicated in the midday. And I made the argument pretty early on, although it didn't happen for almost three years, but I made the argument pretty early on that if you were to go local in the window in the middle, we'd, we'd, we'd go from being a top 10, 12 radio station to a top five because you would maintain that number in the middle of the day. So you're what they call six, eight, a seven P your prime number mm -hmm. would, would rise to that. And it, it took a, a you know long time of convincing. And in the meantime, we were able to do some things where we were kind of testing out people at night and we were doing some things on the weekends. And, you know, I'm really kind of always was a big believer of if you can farm it internally so that your listener hears a voice and then they're comfortable with that voice. then by the time you elevate them to put them on, you know, one of your, you know, your, your yes. foundational shows, it's not culture shock and it's not a surprise and they already know the person. So we're doing shows at night with Brent and Mickey. We're doing, uh, we did a show with, um, we did a show with clay, clay and, and Chad were doing a show at night for one hour a week. And so at the time when we started trying to put together the, the midday show, which became three hour lunch. A lot of people hear three HL. Now they have no re idea right. why it's called that. Well, it was three hour lunch when it started. Um, and so we had, we had Brent and we had a relationship with Blaine who was doing some Titan stuff for us. And we had this, this relationship with clay. And so, you know, we had this, um, <laughs> our, our, uh, Citadel's big boss, Judy Ellis, she would come in and visit and, and we were talking about, they don't do three person shows anymore. I mean, if you look around, they're pretty rare. Um, but at the time that was kind of the formula and she believed that there was a great formula that, um, I don't want to swear, but it's not really a swear word, but there's three people. She said that a show needed a deer, a dick and a dork. <laughs> you needed a guy who you needed a guy who was super lovable that right. everybody liked. You needed a guy who was a little bit of a lightning rod that stirred it up that people kind of hated, and then you needed someone who was just kind of goofy and fun. Well, brilliant. That was when we set up Three HL. <laughs> that was that was kind of the formula, and of course, Clay Clay was the dick. You know, like he was the guy who was just a 
pain and and but at the same time he kind of had this quality that a lot like you know if you've ever seen the movie private parts about howard stern yeah. they they say they say well people listen they love him what about the people that hate him they say well, they listen too because they can't wait to see what he's going to say and so you know <laughs> that was one of those opportunities and um and you know it, it's funny because I look back now and there, we've had a handful of people who kind of came up during that time. Steve Gorman was a good example. Yeah. Steve, Steve Gorman did a show for us just at night when he was not on the road with the Black Crows. Ends up being the afternoon drive guy on Fox Sports Radio nationally. So we've had some success stories where we've kind of, you know, put people on for the first time and, and they've made the most of it. And it's really a credit to them and their their work ethic and, you know, their ability and, uh, and you know, like the radio station being a pretty good platform for them. Did In other get, wait, wait a minute. In other words, it's your fault. Clay, right? <laughs> yeah. It's your fault. There's a lot of truth to that. It's your fault. There's a lot of truth about did, that. Did you get the hot wives comment from James Franklin? To me, on the outside looking in, that just took what Clay and the zone was doing to a whole other level because everybody was talking about that. ESPN, I mean, it was yeah. everywhere, Brad. You and you and you really could kind of line that up with the explosion of Twitter, too. I yeah. mean, because Clay was one of the very, very early ones who kind of paired the social media thing with what what he was doing. I remember we were in Destin for the SEC <laughs> spring meetings. Uh, sitting on the back patio, facing the facing the ocean, facing the Gulf, and when when uh, James Franklin made that statement, I was sitting right there, mm. and at the in the moment we all kind of laughed because you're in the beach, everybody's relaxed, you know, like and he's like, yeah, you know, I tell them all the time, you know, if you, if you check your wife, if you've got a hot wife, you can recruit, and it's like, <laughs> and you're right, that absolutely took mm. off, and um, yeah, it, it was really just kind of. Uh, just on a rocket ship after that. Well, the reason I remember that, Greg and I were at another station across town, yep. and we were just like, nobody was listening to us. It was all, <laughs> listen to that. It's like, oh, man. It was a different approach. That show was intentionally different. Like, because one of the reservations that we had at the time was, we had a morning show and we had an afternoon show, and we had this great buffer in the middle where we weren't really going to kind of step on the content too much and there was a little bit of hesitation both in morning and afternoon drive of you put a midday show on we're just gonna be talking about the same thing all day long well here's the funny thing on a day like yesterday after the titans losing the playoffs that's all anybody wants to talk about is that one topic mm -hmm. all day long and so being local gives you that opportunity but what we did at the time with with three hour lunch was let's make it radically different than anything else that you're going to turn on the radio station and hear and that way, nobody in the morning and nobody in the afternoon is really going to feel like they're being infringed on. And that's, you know, for the long time, that's really how it worked. Brilliant. Brad Willis, our guest, the official 615 podcast. He's the chief advancement and operation officer for the uh, Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame. Let's uh, bring it all back home. Uh, Give me some future thoughts of where you want to take the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame. Well, one thing I'm excited about is that 2022 is going to mark the return of a banquet. Uh, we've spent the last two years kind of handling everything virtually. Um, we, we held in in 2020 for so long because, I mean, if you go back and you think about March, April, May, we, we just didn't know what was ahead of us, right? And so um, we, we hung in, and, and we had two inductees that year that were over the age of 90, a couple more over the age of 70. And I went to the board and I said, listen, we can't in good conscience have an event where we invite these people in here right now. Um, 
And so what we did was, and, and luckily my background kind of uh, helped that, is we, we put together a television show. And we aired it across six markets across the state. We did the same thing last year. Actually won an award for it. I was really pleased that the International Sports Heritage Association um, gave us a little bit of credit for, for what we did there and, and really adapting under the circumstances. But I'm really excited that this is going to be the year. And, and, and shout out to the folks at the Omni. They're going to be hosting us here at the nice. Omni in July. And so I'm really excited about this class that we're starting to roll out. And obviously we've mentioned Javon Curse, and there's going to be so many others that uh, I think that are going to uh, resonate with a lot of your listeners and people across the state. And so we just hope that by the time that, that we're hosting that banquet in July, that, that we've, you know, we feel good about where things are health wise and we're going to have a big crowd and celebrate not just the class of 2022, but also 2020 and 2021, because it'll be a great opportunity to kind of, get everybody together and uh, celebrate all of them. You're beautiful. Tuesday through Sunday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, inside the Bridgestone Arena, downtown Nashville, right there at John Lewis and and uh, Broadway. Yes, sir. I, I keep going to call this Fifth Avenue, but it's now it's John Lewis Way. Um, and free, yes. courtesy of the University of Tennessee. And and so Vanderbilt fans, you get it for free, courtesy That's of right. UT. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and, and you have that. And uh, the website is tshf.net. Yes. And all if, right. you, uh, if you follow us on social media, uh, Twitter is, is I'm, I'm constantly trying to update Twitter. We're online uh, at the TSHF. Fastest 36 minutes we've ever done. Yeah. Amazing. Could go all day. Thank hey. you, Brad. Hey, happy to be here. Thanks, you guys, for having me. That's Brad Willis uh, from the Tennessee Sports Hall of Fame. You got to go visit. It's a wonderful thing. Greg, we'll see you next week. And then who knows what we have next week, my man. Have uh, a great week. You figure it out. <laughs> all right. Thank you for listening to the official 615 podcast. <laughs> <laughs>